All right. Before I introduce our speaker this morning, I just do want to say on behalf of New Rocky Creek Baptist Church, um, Brother Randy, Miss Deanna, we love you guys. We appreciate you guys. And I was just sitting there thinking about Brother Randy and, you know, some of the things that I love most about him. And, you know, he's got to be one of the most unique people I've, person, people, person I've ever met, you know, and, and that in the way that he loves his the people here at the church and and uh you know brother randy's always somebody that we feel like we can talk to and you know he just uh, he doesn't seem to uh run out of time or or patience you know most people you talk to you know uh, it's hard to be busy and available at the same time brother randy and i i appreciate your willingness to to be there for uh, for us and you know whether it be in the hospital i know when dad was in the hospital brother randy was up there 30 days in a row back 10 years ago when he was having but just to be available and and busy and yet always you know you pretty much have to end the conversation he, he's there to to hear what you have to say and and uh that's but he's listening though i mean it's not that he's just talking he's listening and we appreciate your brother randy for for being that way and god has blessed you or just gifted you to, to, with a love for people and a love for our Lord, and we just appreciate you. Also, though, we have another young man here, Mr. Ricky Stubbs. Uh, we do have some new people in the church over the years, so some of y'all may not be familiar with Brother Ricky, but he's the pastor at Sinclair Baptist Church there in Milledgeville, Georgia, beautiful church and location. And uh, we're glad to have his lovely family here, Miss Rachel and Micah. And, um, but yes, he, he was actually saved and baptized right here at New Rocky Creek Baptist Church and licensed and ordained here and has pastored churches in the community and now is at Sinclair Baptist Church. And he, while he was here, he worked in different capacities with the, the choir, I believe with the youth and different areas and just uh, one of our own. So, and he was influenced, I know, by Brother Randy, and he'll, he'll share some of that with you. So, with that said, I want to uh, ask Brother Ricky if he'll come and break the bread of life for us. Hiding underneath my love handles. Anybody know anything about that? I don't know where they came from. I just woke up one morning. Y'all ever heard of Chester drawers disease? Where your chest falls into your drawers when you get older? I don't, that may not be good for church. I don't know. Anyway. Randy, we love you so very much. And, um, Thank the Lord for you. I just thank you, New Rocky Creek. I thank you so much for all the effort you've shown today. What a privilege. What a privilege it is to be here. Thank you for inviting me to be here and to be a part of this. And uh, enjoyed bond service. Is that correct? Thank you, gentlemen. What a, what a blessing. What a privilege to be here with you guys serving. And I want to say, before I do anything else, go any further, of course, I want to praise the Lord. I want to thank the Lord for his grace and goodness. 
his faithfulness over these years, 30 years. Randy said, man, no pressure this morning. I said, well, I'd beg to differ. I want to get this right this morning, 30 years, man. I'm trying, I want to, by the grace of God, I'm praying much and trusting the Lord to do that. So please pray for me this morning. And I uh, also want to take time because behind every good pastor and preacher is a great wife. And uh, amen. So I want to thank Deanna. I want to thank her for being a faithful wife and mother and uh, a strong and encouraging support for Randy through the years and uh, a tremendous blessing to this church. And you know what I'm talking about. And uh, so I thank you, Deanna. And my wife and I and family love you and appreciate you so very, very much. And um, we think about the years of having served here and had the privilege of being here. And we think about those times and spending time with you and Randy, of course, and uh, just tremendous. So thank you, Dana, so very, very much. Also thinking about today, I know Randy would not want me to do anything different but to preach God's Word this morning. And so I want to share some scripture with you from 1 Corinthians chapter 9 this morning, beginning in verse 24. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and I know you're hungry, I know you're thinking about that food, you're ready to eat. So I won't be long. Of course, how many of you heard a preacher say that before? Yes. But you're accustomed to it because I know Brother Randy can hold his own. Right, brother? Time in this pulpit, brother. He preaches, and he doesn't hold back, and that's what I love about him so much. And uh, preaching God's Word, faithful to the Word of God. And I'll be sharing some personal notes here in just a moment, but... I do want to share some things from Scripture for a moment. I want to encourage you, church. I want to encourage you. I want to be a blessing to you this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 24, says this, Do you not know that the runners in a stadium all race? They all race, but only one receives the prize. Only one. He says, Run in such a way that you may win, and now everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. Exercise self-control in everything. However, they do it to receive a perishable crown, but we an imperishable one. Therefore, I do not run like one who runs aimlessly or box like one who beats the air. Instead, I discipline my body and I bring it under strict control. Some of you in verse 27, I think, may say, buffet, he buffets his body. Not buffet. Buffet. I wish it said buffet. Man, I'd be all over that. But it says buffet. He buffets. He brings it under certain discipline, right? Certain control. To beat black and blue. Instead, I discipline my body and I bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified or cast away. I want to just share something with you real quick, some brief thoughts concerning being a contender and not a pretender. A contender and not a pretender. I don't know where that phrase came from. I picked it up somewhere. I'm sure I didn't make it up. But nonetheless, being a contender and not a pretender. And when we read the scriptures here, we understand one thing here, that contenders have a different mindset from pretenders. Contenders have a different mindset from pretenders. 
And I want to encourage you, church, this morning to be not a pretender, but be contenders for the faith. We've been encouraged in song this morning to share the gospel and to be faithful with God's Word until the Lord's return. And so this morning, I want to encourage us to be contenders. Contenders have a different mindset. How many of you watched the Olympics? Anybody watch the Olympics this year? I watched some of the Olympics. I like watching some of those events, certain events. And when I read some things about some of the Olympians, there was the USA cyclist, Kristen Armstrong. After winning her third consecutive gold medal on the eve of her 43rd birthday, 43 years of age, praise God, man, there's still time. There's still time, man. 43 years of age. And becoming the oldest female cyclist to win an Olympic medal, told, uh, pardon me, told future Olympians at Idaho State University the hardest part of her training was not the physical aspect. Rather, it was to not let negative ideas seep into her mind about what she's capable of. My takeaway, she says from Rio, was you have to stay your course. Stay the course. You have to follow your vision. After 12 years as a professional cyclist, Three times winning the gold medal, my success always came back to my why. You have to know why you're doing it. Why do you do what you do? Why do you do what you do? And this morning, contenders for the faith have a certain mindset. They know why they do what they do. Do you know? She goes on to say, and it comes back to my vision. A vision is one of my most powerful things you can have in life. A vision is a mental picture of a result you have or you want to achieve. A picture that's so strong and so clear it helps me make that result real. But Paul writes about a certain mindset, doesn't he? This Olympian who accomplished much had a certain mindset. She realized that to win, very little of it had to do with physical, but most of it was mental. And Paul reminds us the same thing in the Christian faith as we walk with the Lord, as we contend for the faith, that we would have a certain mindset. You're very familiar with these verses, I'm sure. Romans 12, 2. Romans 12, 2. He talks about having a particular mindset. I'll read it for you. Here it is. If you don't have your Bible, if you do, you can turn there just real quick. Romans 12, 2. Here's what it says. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be not conformed to this world. There's a world, there's a world system, there are things that are going on, but Paul encourages us to think about this. Don't look like the world. Listen, do you look like the world or do you look more like Jesus today? As you walk in faith, as you walk with the Lord, do we look more like our Savior? Paul would later write in Romans chapter 8 that we would be conformed who? to the image of Christ, to the Lord Jesus. Contenders have a particular kind of mindset. He would later write in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. Here's what he would say. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. Listen to it. This is one of those prayers that he offers up, right? If you never know what to pray for your pastor, and I hope you are praying for your pastor. You're praying for your pastor, I hope. Man, hey, you praying for your pastor. Listen, you need to pray for your pastor. And if there's anything you can pray for him, here in Ephesians chapter 1, this is a great prayer. Here's what he says in verse 18. 
I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the glorious riches of His inheritance among the saints, what is the immeasurable, immeasurable greatness of His power to us who believe according to the working of His vast strength. I pray that the eyes of your heart, your mindset, your mindset would be open and it would be ready and attentive to the will of God. What is God wanting to accomplish in your life? When's the last time you've asked, Lord, what is it you want for my life? What direction do you want me to take today? What do you want to accomplish in my family? What do you want to accomplish in our home, in our church? What is your will and your plan and purpose? You see, contenders have a certain mindset. A certain mindset. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, Paul would write this very thing. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Here's what he says. Make your attitude or your mind that of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of man. And when he had come as man in his external form, he humbled himself. Let this mind be in you, being willing to lay down my will, but your will, Lord, be done. Not just as it is in heaven, but on earth. Let it be done in my life just as it is in heaven. Let your will be done. I'm willing to give of myself for others. A mindset. You want to be a contender and not a pretender. You must have a certain and particular mindset. And lastly, in Philippians chapter 4, right there in Philippians, same, chap, same book, here's what he says, verse 8 through 5. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, and if there is any praise, dwell. Think. Dwell on these things. The word dwell has to do with living in a house. You dwell in your house. Dwell on these things. Live in these things. Think on these things. Put your mind on these things. What is your mind on these days? Boy, there's plenty of things racing back and forth, aren't there? Constantly, consistently. We're being bombarded over and over for things uh, in our mind. Our minds are being challenged, but the Word of God tells us to have this mindset. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Think on these things. What is the will of God? Think on these things. Being willing to put others first and not myself, just like the Lord Jesus. Put your, have this mindset. Think on these things. What is lovely, what is good, what is holy, what is just, what is right, honorable. Think on these things. You may be asking yourself, how do I know what kind of mindset I have? Well, my question to you is, what are you thinking about regularly? What's on your mind? Whatever's on your mind, I, I can tell you that's what your mindset is. That's what the Scripture says. Being a contender, we must have the right mindset. Secondly, being a contender, contenders have their eyes on the prize. Contenders have their eyes on the prize. I don't know if you've ever watched track runners on the Olympics running track. 
I've never seen a track runner looking backwards as they were running to the tape. Have you? I don't think so. Because contenders have their eyes on the prize. Here in the same letter to the Philippians, Paul wrote this very thing. You're very familiar with it, I'm sure. Chapter 3, verse 13. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. Glory. You know what our problem is? We're too busy holding on to the past. We're holding on. We're not doing what he said, forgetting those things in the past. We're too busy holding on to the past. He says, forgetting those things but reaching forward, he says, I pursue, I pursue, verse 14, as my goal, the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. How many of you know the promises in Christ are yes and in Him, amen? God has never failed on one promise. Every promise He's ever made, He's always seen it through to the end. Glory. He says, I pursue this goal. This is my goal. I'm keeping my eyes on the prize. The word pursue, by the way, has to do with a hunter pursuing his prey. How many hunters we got in here? Oh yeah, me too. You know what it is to see that place where the deer's he's made scrapes and he's broken off twigs and he's got a trail there and limbs and boy, you just... Man, I get amped up, but I know, I know that's where that deer, I know what I'm pursuing. Or when I'm fishing, boy, I see evidence of bait fish moving around, and I see certain things, I know that's where I need to be to fish. He says, I'm pursuing it, like a hunter pursuing his prey, like a fisherman who recognizes I'm pursuing, I'm honing in, I'm ready, I'm wanting to go with all that I have and everything that I have to accomplish and to take hold of this prize. Of course, Paul is not pursuing a temporal prize. He is, cons he is consumed with pursuing the eternal prize of the Lord Jesus, being faithful to Him. Man, what a day that'll be to stand before our Lord and only to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over, and I'm so glad he said a few things. I mean, if I can just get a few things right, Hey, if I can just get a few things right, I may not be able to get all the things right. I may not be able to even get a lot of things right. But man, if I just get a few things right. Some of you are far better than myself. You'll get more right, I'm sure. But he says, if you're faithful over a few things, I'll make you ruler over many. I'll make you ruler over many. Contenders have their eyes on the prize. Here, number three. Contenders know... That it's the prep work that leads to the win. It's the prep work that leads to the win. There in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, there in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, again, I remind you of what he says. He says, run in such a way that you may win. Now everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. However, they do it to receive a perishable crown, but we an imperishable one. They do it in self-control. They Paul talks about in verse 27, instead I discipline my body and I bring it under strict control. We see the athletes, we watch the Olympics, we watch ball games, we see them out there on the field in various forms and we see the win, we see the, 
We see their, you know, their ability to compete. But what we don't see is Monday through Saturday. What we don't see is all the things that go into being able to compete. I read this. I thought this was very fascinating concerning Olympics. Katie Ledecky started swimming competitively at age six and had already qualified for an Olympic trial by eighth grade. She spent four to six hours each day in the pool, not counting her dry land workouts and physical therapy. Estimates put her over 15,000 hours heading into Rio Olympics when they had the Olympics in Rio. 15,000 hours. How many of you know that's a lot of hours? 15,000 hours, and where she broke multiple records and won four gold medals at just 19 years of age. 7 a.m., wake up, skincare, breakfast. 7.40, drive to the gymnasium. 8.30, gymnastic practice. 11.30 a.m., lunch. 12.30 p.m., relax, bath, and nap. 3 p.m., healthy snack. 5 p.m., gymnastics practice. Uh, 9.40 p.m., post-workout dinner. 10 p.m., ice cool down. 10.15 p.m., shower, brush, teeth, skincare, and sleep. Man, I'm done at 3. I'm done it. I mean, this is amazing to me. And that's, of course, Ledecky was a swimmer, but this was a gymnastics routine of an Olympian. Over and over, every day, hour after hour, the commitment. If you're going to be a contender, man, you've got to be willing to put in the work. If you're going to be a contender for the faith, you've got to be willing to put in the time, the effort. Life gets busy. How many of you are busy? Somebody couldn't even, didn't even have words for it. They just Life's busy. Life gets busy. Listen, I can always tell when my life's getting off track. You know how I can tell? Because I get too busy. I get too busy. I can tell it in my relationships. I can tell it in my attitude. And if I can't, my wife will tell me about my attitude. I can tell it in, listen, not only my relationships, my attitude, but I can also tell it in the way I handle problems. I can tell when I'm getting off track, I'm too busy. Too busy, I'm not where I need to be in my fellowship and walk with the Lord. I'm just being honest. Can I be honest? We're in church, right? And, and, and listen, I get there, you get there, but if we're going to be real contenders, if we're going to be genuine Contenders, ladies and gentlemen, we've got to get these things right. There's two things I also want, two other things I want to say. Just because, and this is why we get too busy, you ready? Just because it's a good thing doesn't mean it's the God thing. Just because it's a good thing doesn't mean it's the God thing. Well, I'm down there at the church cutting the grass. Well, I'm down at the church doing this. Well, I'm nothing wrong with serving at the church, but listen to me. What's more important is what God's will is for your life. I'm helping other people, I'm feeding, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. But have you taken time to say, Lord, is this what you want me to do today? Just because it's a good thing doesn't mean it's the God thing. Secondly, listen to me, this is so important, I feel like, especially today when we are bombarded with things left and right. Here's what I've, 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 I've experienced. Now, I've been around folks, I've been around folks competing, I've coached, I've... I've participated on teams. I've done things and all that. Listen, 
If you're going to be a contender, there are no cheat days. No cheat days. What I mean by that? Just like I gave you that regimen of that Olympian, no cheat days. When you're preparing and, man, you're contending and you're looking and you want to gain that trophy, you're going for that prize, listen, every day is to be a day that you're under that discipline and regimen. No cheat days. Olympians, listen, they don't cheat. They don't take, they don't eat. I heard one man, he was talking, I forget which swimmer it was, he was talking about, man, I'll be glad when the Olympics are over because I can finally eat chocolate. How many of you love chocolate? How many of you are lying? Listen, I love some chocolate. But watch this. When you're competing and you are, you, listen, there are no cheat days. And can I say something to you? When you're competing and contending for the faith, there are no cheat days with your eyes. I don't have a day where I can just let my eyes slide. I don't have a day where I can just let my eyes slide as I'm watching, as I'm looking, as I'm scrolling. I don't have a day when I can just cheat, have a cheat day. I can get off and, no, 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 listen to me. I, don't, I have no days where I can have cheat days. I have no days where I can cheat and, and say things that I shouldn't say. Go places where I shouldn't go. Be places that I shouldn't be. If I'm going to be a genuine contender, there are no cheat days. Good things don't necessarily mean it's the God thing, and there are no cheat days. Here, number four. I'm, wrapping, I'm getting close, I promise you. I'm coming. Follow with me. Contenders, here, listen to this. This is so important. Contenders know their opponent. Contenders know their opponent. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. He was talking about this very church, and here's what he said. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. But I fear, 2 Corinthians eleven three. 3, but I fear that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your minds may be corrupted from a complete and pure devotion to Christ. Remember what I said earlier? The first point I made, contenders have a certain mindset. But here, contenders recognize their competition. They recognize their opponents. I'll never forget watching Peyton Manning. Y'all heard Peyton Manning? You know some of you know Peyton Manning? Talking about the discipline. He's a quarterback. He was a quarterback. NFL, two Super Bowls, Indianapolis, and one with Denver. The discipline that he had watching film, knowing his competitor, knowing that when a certain lineup on a football field took place, he knew exactly what position he could call audibles. All the time, Peyton Manning would call audibles. That is, he'd get off script. He'd get off script because he understood what his opponents were doing. They were changing the plan. They were changing the play. He could see it. You know how he could see it? Because he studied it all the time. You say, what's your point, preacher? Here's my point. You ready? You and I, if we're going to be contenders, we need to recognize who our opponent is. It's not our wife. It's not our husband. It's not our children. It's not our friends. It's not our co-workers. You know what Paul said in Romans, Ephesians chapter 6? We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But we do oftentimes anyway. We wrestle. We get in fights with our spouse. We get in fights with our, our children. We get in fights with our coworkers, our friends, or whatever the case may be. And we fail to realize who our real opponent is. Paul says it right here. He says that's that old cunning serpent. 
that old lying, conniving, murdering devil himself. But if you're going to be a contender, you've got to recognize, number one, it could be the adversary. It could be Satan himself. Lord, give us a discerning spirit so we can be contenders, so we don't get sidetracked with the peripheral and we can stay focused on what's in front of us, the prize of the high calling. Lord, help us to have discerning spirits to recognize who our competition or who this, who this enemy is, who this competitor is, I should say, more than just competition. But you know what? Here's the second point. Listen, this is so important. You ready? Sometimes it's not the devil that I, is my competition or my competitor. It's me. Hey, is this thing on? Hey, it's me. It's me. You see, there's nothing like the Trinity, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But oftentimes we love to worship at the me, myself, and I. Me, myself, and I. And we must be careful, 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 people of God, that we recognize and we have discerning spirits. And Lord, give us grace and wisdom in these days to be contenders, realizing who the real adversary is. Therefore, we're not wasting time with fighting with each other, but we can say, I'm sorry. We can say, I forgive you, and, and you, and, you know, I, I forgive you, and I, I genuinely, from my heart, am willing to move forward. I don't want to spin my wheels and, and keep moving backwards because I want to be a contender. Why? Why should I care about being a contender? Why, why does this even matter? Why, why should I even pay attention to this? I'll tell you why. Because Christ died for us. If there's no other reason why you should be thoughtful about this, it's the fact that Christ died for us. God gave His best, and why shouldn't you and I give our best? Paul would say it this way, we've been bought with a price. We belong to Christ. And this morning, we have the wonderful privilege and honor of giving our lives to the Lord. Giving our lives to the Lord. And this morning, I don't even know. Listen, this morning, you might not even be uh, even thinking about being a contender because you've been sidelined. You've been sidelined. But this morning, listen to me, there are many steps away from the Lord. There's one step back, and it's to say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I ask you to forgive me. I repent of my sin today, and I say, Lord, I'm sorry. And I just ask you, you know what the Bible says? If we confess our sins, that he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Aren't you glad for that? I am so glad for that. I am so thankful for that. And so this morning, listen, maybe you've been sidelined. You don't have to be sidelined any longer. You can, in fact, be a contender today. If you've never come to Christ, I want to tell you something this morning. You're unfortunately on the losing team. I've read the last page, but friend, it's time for you to become a winner. And you can become a winner if you'll come to Jesus today. If you'll come to Christ today, you can become a winner. That decision is, of course, up to you, totally up to you. It's a decision you've got to make. I can't make it for you. As wonderful of a pastor as you have here today in the family, 
They can't make that decision for you either. You have to make that decision. Are you a contender today? Or just a pretender? Are you walking in fellowship with the Lord? Can you honestly say today, yes, I am in the will of God for my life today? Do you know? You need to know. You need to know. In just a moment, we're going to have an invitation, I believe, or I'm just going to leave it up to whoever, you know, needs to make that decision, of course, and, and let the Lord lead. But I do want to share some closing thoughts. Randy, I love you dearly. And I want to tell you this morning that I thank you for being faithful with the gospel. Uh, driving to Madison this week, there on Mill Pond Road, there's a house sits up on the hill. It's white. It's got brown trim, I believe it is. I remember that was one of the first times that I went out sharing the gospel with you, going down Mill Pond Road, visiting homes, knocking on doors. Those important lessons that I learned in those days that you and I, that you were willing to take me and share with me, I have shared with Bible students, Bible college students, pastors, lay leaders, and throughout the years. Thank you so very much. I want to tell you thank you for being faithful with God's Word. I always joke around when I introduce Randy, I've seen him preach his own teeth out of his mouth. Preaching so hard. But I also remember the fact, I think we went to Haddock Baptist Church. I think it was Haddock. It was one of those churches down there. And I remember us having this discussion. It was a time in the association when there were many people who did not adhere to the infallibility of God's Word. And I want you to know, church, Brother Randy got up there, and boy, he let it rip, tater chip. Son, he preached the Word of the living God, no matter who was standing there, who was sitting there. And I couldn't have been any prouder in the best sense of the Word on that wonderful day when I saw my pastor preaching God's Word and standing for the truth of God's Word despite what others thought. Thank you for being there, Randy, with encouraging words and looking for oil under the vehicle. I use that metaphorically. You know what I'm talking about. Wisdom, I appreciate so much you sharing wisdom, teaching, counseling, mentoring, prayers, prayers, prayers. And late night, great times. Late night, oftentimes. And I know many of you have experienced that as well. And thank you, Randy, for being a faithful father and husband when I needed to see it most. <clears throat> Man, I said I wasn't going to do this. And thank you for being a father in the Lord to me, personally. And thank you for being a contender, not a pretender.